It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of uh, Upfront. I'm Roger Bouchard here Monday through Friday. And what we do is uh, we try to uh, get um, information to our listeners uh, from uh, the best uh, news sources possible. And today is one of those days where we actually go to, um, uh, you know, you're going to talk about the General Assembly. Why don't you have a General Assembly member in the studio uh, and maybe... We can get some uh, up-to-date information. That's exactly what we're going to do. And uh, Chris Boule uh, has joined us. Uh, hi, Chris. How are you doing over there? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. It's great to be back. And would you tell our listeners, before we get to Mr. Martin uh, from uh, Real Estate uh, Question, who our guest is today? And we can say hello to him, too. Yes, our guest this morning is Rhode Island State Senator Thomas Paolino, District 17, covering parts of Lincoln, North Providence, and North Fulfield. Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Nice to have you here, Thomas. All right, let's uh, also uh, do what we do every Friday at this time. Before we get to our state senator or our state uh, representative for... Or when Larry Berman joins us uh, from the State House, he's not elected, but he certainly knows what's going on down there. Uh, we have our um, real estate question of the weekend. That is um, with uh, Robert Martin. I know him as Bob Martin, a broker owner of Crossroads Real Estate Group in Woonsocket, Cumberland, and Chapaja. How are you doing out there, uh, Mr. Martin? Can you hear me okay uh, coming through the phone now? Yes, I can hear you fine now. Good. All right. We're ready for our real estate question, so here it is. Let me uh, pull it up on the screen. It says, I'm buying a house and just had a um, home inspection done. It is 30 pages long. How do I decide what I should ask for? Or do I just uh, send them the report and tell them that I want everything fixed? How does that work? Well, you send them the whole report only if you don't really want to buy the house. Um, that's a, I know it's a sarcastic answer, but basically... I think if we step back a little bit, uh, it's not unusual to have a 20, 30-page home inspection report because uh, it, it does include a, a lot of photos and, and whatnot and a lot of, let's say, standard text. Um, I think it's important that a buyer understand the purpose of a home inspection. Uh, and it starts initially when you're prior to putting an offer on a property. Rhode Island does require that the seller fill out what we call a, a, a questionnaire, a seller's uh, questionnaire. And that should be reviewed thoroughly to, for, as an example, to say if, if the seller's truthful, yes, uh, occasionally on heavy rains, I may get some puddling in my basement. It should talk about the age of the roof, the age of the hot water tank. <clears throat> so th this ought to be given to the, the buyer, reviewed, discussed with his agent, and he should make an offer based upon that information because the contract the standard Rhode Island contract says and I'm sure this gentleman if it was that it says the house is being bought in as is condition now despite that comment they do by state law have 10 days exclusive of weekends to have inspections done and you know what we highly encourage people to do that so the inspections really are a twofold one is to discover any latent defects that may not have been disclosed or that may be more onerous than the buyer had initially thought or maybe the buyer missed. But secondly, part of a, a good home inspection is a lot of um, advice on future maintenance. Uh, so, you know, this is okay for now, but expect within the next few years this may, you may need to address this and this. So when you get this report, I think it's important that the buyer realize that he, he is paying someone to criticize. And um, if you want to see a disappointed buyer is to have them spend whatever amount of money on a home inspection and the home inspector to say, I found nothing, the house is pristine. Um, <laughs> in one way, the buyer would be happy, but in another way, they wouldn't think they got their money's worth. So they're paid to hire, uh, to, to criticize. So I think he needs to look at this, see what was previously disclosed, um, and and evaluate the whole process. Now, there's no question, unequivocally, the buyer can simply say, I'm not happy with the results of the inspection and walk away from the deal. He can make some requests uh, as to what he thinks may not have been disclosed or that may be 
more severe than he expected and, and asked the seller to fix it. He could ask for a price reduction, although that doesn't fix the problem, they'll give the buyer the money to fix it. So um, he, has a, he has a number of opportunities, but it, it should be viewed um, and compared actually with the seller's disclosure. So uh, maybe an example, we, if, if the hot water tank is six years old, there is absolutely 100% guarantee that the home inspector is going to say that the hot water tank is at the end of its useful life. Does that mean it's going to blow up tomorrow? No. Some hot water tanks will last 12, 13 years. Um, some will go after seven or eight. But if it was properly disclosed, the home inspection should not be used to try to rebuild the house or to beat up the seller. Some people do, but I think that if they go in with the, the right attitude, and I've also seen young couples, let's say they're buying an older home. You buy a home that the tax assessor says was built in 1900. That means they don't know when it was built, and it was built probably in the late 1800s. You're going to have a multitude of things, whether it's a buckling wall, whether it's a window that's not totally plumb. I mean, the house is over 100 years old. Uh, they may look at this, and then they just become overwhelmed with a series of small things that they may have to do over time. Uh, they're buying, let's say. They have no additional monies. Well, in a case like that, I think, you know, they could say, look, the house will just... It's overwhelming for me. There's too many little things. We, we better buy a new type of home where we're not going to have all these latent problems in the future. But overall, um, um, if a buyer is properly educated and this, this conversation should have been had, no, you don't hand over the report. Um, you basically should selectively think, say that, you know, we didn't discover this. This wasn't quite disclosed. Um, you know, the... The entry Y is frayed, and, you know, the whole, most homeowners don't even look at that. So, yeah, you, you can ask, but it should be things that are maybe a more of a dangerous thing uh, than to say, I want, I want you to rebuild or upgrade, you know, the house with $10,000 worth of repairs, but I want to buy it at the same price. Hey, Bob, well, one uh, quick question uh, before we finish off here. You've been in uh, the real estate business long enough before these home inspections were required. Huh? Would you, would, can we assume that? Yes. Yeah, so therefore, my, my question is, um, and I, I don't want to uh, upset the home inspectors, but has this program really been of assistance to homeowners, or is it just uh, something that was uh, a good consumerism type of thing, but uh, really uh, doesn't have much of an impact on anything? No, no, I, I think it, it was very good that it was introduced. A few years ago, we actually changed our standard contracts, which, which used to call for a materially deficient condition, which... You know, both sides could have a different definition. Um, I chaired the committee that made the change to something much more consumer-friendly where the buyer can simply say, I'm just overwhelmed with this. I'm changing my mind. They can walk away, and, and they're not going to be held accountable. But, no, um, it opens people's eyes. It, it's meant, uh, and I think it's very important, too, this year, um, Home inspectors are going to have to be licensed in Rhode Island, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be a higher standard. But you get a good home inspector who's not an alarmist, and there are many of them. They'll point out things, deferred, uh, present. Uh, but, no, I, I'm all for a home inspection. In fact, if someone waives it, I have them sign an additional waiver saying that they've been encouraged to do it. And beyond our... Uh, encouragement. They've decided not to, not to do it. Go forward. With so that. they're a good snapshot of what uh, what the house is all about at uh, a given time. Yep. All right. Hey, Bob. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Okay. And um, if uh, people uh, need to uh, talk to you, or you've got a whole bunch of other people they can talk to at your office, also, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So uh, give Bob Martin a call, and uh, he'll be more than happy to to send you on your way, whether you're buying or selling. And uh, we'll talk to you next week at this time. Okay, okay Roger. Bye bye. Have a good week. Bob. Bob Martin on our live line with our real estate question of the week. We want to get our program underway. Uh, we'll save our commercials for a, a little bit and uh, get into the meat of the program. Again, we thank uh, Christopher Boulay for, uh, for joining us. And, uh, Chris, before we talk to uh, Senator Paolino, uh, how about a, an update on what you think um, uh, today might be uh, in terms of, um, of what's going on in the world of uh, investments out there? 
Yes. Okay. As we talked about yesterday, talking about the futures, and we identified that as an indication of where the market's going to open. Everyone probably where the market opens up at 9.30 a.m., uh, closes at 4 o'clock mm -hmm. for regular trading. So right now, the Dow futures are pointing toward a decline of about 400 points, which is 1.5%, which is not insignificant. The S&P is about 1.5%, and the NASDAQ is about 1.5%. So smaller declines than we've seen uh, in this week. This week has been the worst week uh, for the stock market since the Great Recession back in 2009. So it's been really very, very difficult. And the point totals have been very dramatic. 1,100 points yesterday when we had the stock market crash of 1987, the Dow went down 500 points and that was 22% at the time. So 4.5% yesterday, 1,100 points. And everyone's looking for the catalyst. That's what's going to stop uh, there's always a catalyst. Something will slow down the selling. Something will turn it around. There'll be some change in optimism, some change in thought. And that's what everyone's looking for. And we'll see where it all goes. All right. Well, I hope it's a better week for you next week uh, in your business. Hey, let's, um, let's uh, move on to uh, our interview. First of all, thank you for uh, agreeing to uh, join us today. And, and uh, let's see what we can uh, draw out of uh, Senator Paolino for information this morning. You're on, Chris. Well, for us, we should talk about the committees that you're on. You're on education, finance, health and human services, and, of course, the Joint Committee on Permanent for the State Lottery. Which one keeps you the busiest? I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I would say finance definitely keeps me the busiest um, of all of my committees. Uh, obviously, we deal with a very large budget that is just inched over the $10 billion line. Um, and that, that's a lot of money to manage. Uh, there's a lot of suggestions from the governor as well as the House and our respective uh, side uh, in the state house in the Senate. And so, um, you know, with, to, to manage all of that, it, it, it definitely keeps me the busiest of all the committees. We uh, talked about this yesterday. Rhode Island General Assembly <laughs> to consider competing plans to raise taxes on high earners. And I guess the Senate Finance Chair is uh, William Conley. Yes, it is. And uh, kind of interesting, we talked about the fact that Governor Kacheri was very accessible when he came up here. And what they ended up doing was taking the taxes for the higher income people from 9.99 down to 5.99, but then took away all the deductions. It looks like they want to reverse that. Your thoughts? So um, I don't think this is a good idea. I, th I think that we want to keep these people in Rhode Island, and we've already given them good enough reasons to leave this state. And to, to tack this on um, as, a, as another policy, I think is just going to give them that much more of an incentive to move. Uh, the, you know, these, these people, many of them own businesses in this state. Uh, they pump a lot of good money into this economy. And to raise their taxes again um, is, is just another incentive for them to leave. And it was argued by other senators and representatives that... This would not cause them to leave. It's, it's such a, the average, I believe, is about a $15,000 increase per year. Well, guess what? Over 10 years, that's $150,000. Uh, over, over, uh, so over 10 years, that's, that's an, an, another increase. So if I'm looking at my, my long-term plan, uh, th that's a very good incentive for me to leave. I, I, so I don't think it's uh, a small amount uh, whatsoever. I don't think it's insignificant. So I think this is an awful idea, um, and, and I do not support um, moving forward with this policy. Yeah, Senate Finance Chairman William Conley um, was quoted in the paper, and we talked about this yesterday. Uh, nobody's moving because of this. Conley, a Democrat, needs problems. Those who say they have other reasons uh, have other reasons for doing it, and I don't think we agree with that statement. No, definitely not. <laughs> the other thing that we talked about last time, and you and I have talked about one-on-one, -on -one, is the scooping. And so... When I heard that this money was at least one uh, bill was the was basically to put this money into a pile just for education, I, I'm thinking that's going to last maybe a uh, a year. <laughs> well, if if we could uh, put some parameters on that and say you know this has to last uh, X amount of years, five, ten years, I think that would secure it for a little bit longer. Um, yeah, but but the, the scooping continues where the money's the dedicated. Scooping mean, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh -huh. I should better. The scooping uh -huh. is you take the nine one one fund, yeah. and 
they put aside $18 million, uh-huh. and then it ends up needing $10 million to be run because they're overbilling it. We all pay like a dollar or something on our mm-hmm. cell phones. Okay. So scooping is basically grabbing that money that's earmarked for one area and goes to another area. Yeah, and I think the only way we're going to really get away, with, uh, get away from this and move forward to being a little bit more responsible with the funds that we have uh, in our general fund is to airmark the general fund. Uh, the, the general fund, again, is just uh, all, the, all the revenue, and I hate that word revenue because it comes from us, the taxpayers, uh, is, is all that revenue put into one uh, bank account, for, for lack of a better word. And in, until we airmark certain dollars to go towards specific programs, um, I, I think we're going to continue to scoop. And I've always been against this. I, I will not support the scooping because I think it takes away from valuable entities in our state. Um, you know, dollars that they need, and we we use it to fill holes as necessary. And I think that's a terrible practice to get into. Um, I, I, I did not support it when, when I first saw it uh, my first year up here, and it seems like a practice that the General Assembly as a whole and the governor wants to continue to use to fill uh, different problem areas in our in our budget. The other area related to that is the estate tax. And the General Assembly took that on a couple of years ago because it was very onerous. Now it's just a little bit onerous. And um, talked to Rep. Phillips, Bob Phillips, maybe a year or two ago. I guess it's about $28 million. But it kind of ties into this, the lack of thought about how people are leaving and why people don't want to die here in Rhode Island. They're moving to Florida. Um, Governor Chafee just moved to Wyoming, saved $18 million. So your thoughts on that, because I know it's a tough one to get going, but I see the myopic thinking sometimes of the progressives. Yes, I, I, th- I think this comes from a lack of understanding from a lot of people. And if you, you look around New England, you'll see that we're uh, actually in line with many other states uh, when it comes to the percentage that we put on to the estate tax. It's at uh, 16%, um, and then it can go up to 40% federally. Um, so uh, you got Massachusetts at 16%, and in fact, you have New Hampshire um, at, at zero. So uh, Governor Kacheri didn't have to move all the way across the country to avoid paying those taxes. Um, so I think we have to be mindful of what's going on around New England because, uh, you know, these, these are our neighboring states. And um, we, we have to look forward uh, and say, is, is this a good idea? Is this going to cause people to move? And again, I, I think it will. People will do... Um, Go to great lengths to protect their finances and protect their future. And so every, every move that we make, especially when it comes to increasing taxes in any way, we have to be very careful. Did you want to take a break or do you? I do indeed. We'll be back with more of the Upfront program after these commercial messages. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer Bible study Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith. Find us at 91 Pine Swamp Road, across from the gift shop, Route 114, where Diamond Hill Road becomes... Pine Swamp Road. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you to join us on your journey to salvation. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. Just when the holidays are over and I think there's nothing more to think about financially, but then February and March always get me thinking about how I got to get my taxes done, get my finances organized, my receipts, my deductions, and I don't just want to walk into one of those stores because that seems not very personal, so I start thinking about getting my tax return done by a CPA. Just saying it makes me feel better. They have all those years of experience. Most have a master's in finance or accounting. That's the kind of knowledge I need for my taxes. Yes, I'm going to a CPA this year. That makes me feel a whole lot more relaxed. With a CPA, you get a professional with a higher education, more years of training, and a greater breadth of knowledge than the rest of the pack. This tax season, don't trust your finances to anyone less. Hire the best. A CPA. Few prepare as rigorously. Brought to you by Care Kasha, certified public accountants and business consultants. Call 732-8900 for your appointment. 
The Roast House, home of the $6.99 to $9.99 luncheon. It's daily, Monday through Saturday, from 11.30 until 3 o'clock. For $6.99, listen what you can get. A nice hot open face sandwich. Your choice of roast beef, roast turkey, roast ham, freshly sliced at $6.99. And, of course, you get a choice of one side. For $6.99, new to the menu, chicken and chips, luncheon portion of our famous crispy batted boneless fried chicken. Served again with your choice of uh, sauce, fried and coleslaw, $6.99. And one more $6.99 one. Fresh French dip roast beef sandwich. Five ounces of thinly sliced roast beef on a bulky roll. Served with the dipping sauce and served with the one side and the deli pickle spear. $6.99. And the sides include French fries, fresh chips, coleslaw, vegetable, or soup of the day. You can't beat the luncheon special at the Roast House Restaurant. Matthew and Nell invite you to drop off your laundry at M&N Laundromat. We wash, dry, and fold when you drop off for only a dollar a pound. And, of course, you can use our top loads, front loads, and super load washers and do it yourself. And we can accommodate small to oversized loads. Enjoy the flat screen TV and free Wi-Fi while you wait. Commercial accounts are welcomed, including nursing homes and restaurants. We have the equipment to do the big jobs with washers of up to 100 pounds and dryers up to 50 pounds. M&N offers free pickup and delivery for seniors in the high-rises, nursing homes, and other housing complex. 10-pound minimum weight. Have a question? Call 769-9661. Husband and wife team of Matthew and Nell Vasnazian invite you to stop by our 389 Willow Street location. Matt is a Woonsocket native and proud to say M&N Laundromat is locally owned and operated. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Well, somewhat related to our visit uh, today, uh, thank you, uh, Senator Paolino, for uh, being here. But we asked Senator Picard for some information, and uh, it finally came uh, to us. And as uh, you probably know, uh, we have a hotel tax uh, here in Rhode Island. And um, we have um, also uh, what they call a uh, meal, uh, meals and beverage tax. And uh, so what happens is that this is one of those few taxes where the money is actually comes back into the community. And uh, Senator Picard just sent me the tallies for Woonsocket. <clears throat> and um, I actually have them for other communities if, if you're interested in your towns, North Providence, Lincoln, and uh, North Smithfield. But anyway, for Woonsocket... Uh, um, we realized from the meals and beverage tax, we realized uh, $636,389. And from uh, what we call the hotel taxes, which is 1%, uh, Woonsocket uh, realized $73,367. And I have all the figures for the other uh, cities and towns uh, in Rhode Island. But what um, he did share with me the other day when we talked on the phone, he said he was sending it to me is, is it shows how much tourism, because a hotel tax and a beverage tax uh, is u- usually uh, paid for by people from out of state, and, um, and how big an industry it is bringing in um, about $53 million into the Rhode Island economy uh, every year. Uh, from those taxes. Anyway, thank you, Senator Picard, for sharing that with us. And um, we're back to our um, upfront program. Chris Boulay is here in studio. Thank you, Chris, for agreeing to uh, help out here and and uh, have some uh, good questions for Senator Paolino. Back to you. Just a, uh, a follow-up comment. I remember when you and I looked at that a few years back, mm-hmm. and it was uh, about $450,000 mm-hmm. for the city of Woonsocket. So that means we've gone from $45 million of me- meals consumed in Woonsocket to actually $62 million. Mm-hmm. So uh, some nice growth there, yeah. and it shows that there's some growth here. Yeah, for sure. So if you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Rhode Island State Senator Thomas Paolino who's District 17, has Lincoln, North Providence, and North Fifield. And probably the most important thing, I forgot to say, there's an R behind your name, yes. Republican. 
<laughs> yeah, there's not many of us in Rhode Island. But despite that, you have an excellent working relationship with the Democratic leadership and the, and the Senate president? Absolutely. Um, you know, in this state, you got to recognize that it is predominantly Democrat, um, and you are not going to be able to get many things done if you are just blowing the whistle all the time. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you can't blow the whistle, but it is definitely important to work with your colleagues, regardless of what side of the aisle they sit on. And I think uh, Washington could learn something from uh, myself as well as our legislature here in Rhode Island. And being a Republican, you're conservative, and you think like I do regarding the Second Amendment. It's there for a reason. And uh, under assault a little bit at times by the progressives, and I know there's some laws being put back and forth, and there's pro-gun rallies, and there's anti-gun rallies, and y your thoughts about what's going on right now in the legislature. So, first of all, I... I love when I see people come out on both sides. I think it's very important for people to come down to the state house. It is the people's house and have them have their voices heard on whatever side of the issue they're on. Um, at the same time, I do believe that our Second Amendment is a right that we should have and it should be completely uninfringed upon. Um, having said that, our Rhode Island legislature tends to have different views and there's two pieces of legislation that is on the table that will be voted on most likely, or one of them already has been voted on, which is the 3D ghost gun bill. Mm -hmm. uh, that has passed both chambers um, and has been signed into law by the governor. And I believe the intent of the bill is good. It will not impact law-abiding gun owners um, and hopefully will do some good to protect us long-term. Uh, the second piece of legislation has to do with notifying the police department in the town that an individual is looking to purchase a gun. So if uh, I'm from Lincoln, if I go to purchase a gun from DNL in Warwick, that Warwick, the DNL will check with Lincoln's police department to make sure that I'm on the up and up. And I, I think that's good because what happened over in Westerly, um, that did not happen. Mm -hmm. And that probably would have prevented that shooting from happening. So, I, again, I think this, the intent of this bill is good. I, a lot of the other bills that are on the, on the table, um, I think will go to great lengths to infringe um, our Second Amendment right. But I believe that these two, which uh, are going to be voted on or already have been voted on, will do good to protect us. My understanding is, as you rank these things, but Rhode Island's ranked as having the eighth strongest gun laws in the country, so eight out of 50. The one that kind of annoys me is no concealed carry on school grounds. So if you have a concealed carry permit, you've gone through the background check, and you might be that guy or gal who prevents an accident. So that that's kind of the opposite. I wanted your opinion on that. Hopefully I didn't give it to you. But <laughs> well, no, I mean, you, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. That that's exactly how I feel. If somebody has gone through the process of getting a concealed carry weapons permit, um, there's a good chance that uh, they, they've, they're a good shooter. They've, they've passed all the background checks that they need to pass. So in, in that case, they, they're going to be on the good end of, of this issue. And so to prevent somebody from being able to protect themselves as well as the people around them, uh, I think is, is a terrible disservice. Um, and again, just because it says this is a gun-free zone, the bad guys are not going to, to abide by that. I mean, let's be, let's be real here, right? Yep, you're making a, a softer target softer. Yes. Is, is that a call for us, Roger? Yes, it is. Okay. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. May I speak to Violino, please? Yep, he's about 28 inches from me, so he's right here. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. A quick comment, then a quick request, and I'll hang up. First of all, I still remember, I believe your house has a bathroom with white fixtures and beautiful red rose on it. I, the most beautiful bathroom I've pictures I've ever seen, never forgot it. Now, the other thing is, please, there's, I'm sure there's at least 50 departments in the state house that could be cut at least $20,000, that, that much for each department, which would uh, save a million dollars. I'd like to have your comments on that, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Um, so, with the caller's um, input, I, I, could, I agree. I think that in this state we have a spending problem, not a revenue problem. I've said that all the time. Um, I always believe that there are areas that could be cut, whether it's from um, you know, things going on at the state house or, or our budget as a whole. Uh, I, I think it's very important that we look and see where we're spending our money. 
and uh, is it is it the best use of that money? Um, before we, I don't want to run out of time. I, I do want to recognize our uh, good friend Joe Almond. And so he was on, his story was on the Winsaka call this morning, and it's probably the worst kept political secret around because he even mentioned it to me, but he's not running for re-election. You've, you know, he's a uh, town administrator of Lincoln. I know you have a great working relationship with him. Comments? Yeah, absolutely. I just saw him uh, yesterday to get an update on what's going on in our town. Um, yeah, uh, he's told me, I believe, before he ran for his last election that this would be the last one and he won't be running again. Um, I actually believe that this is kind of a blow to the town. He has been absolutely diligent on making sure that our town is being financially responsible, um, safe, clean, and pristine. And he does a great job for the town of Lincoln. Uh, so he will be greatly missed, in my opinion, uh, when he finishes his term. Um, then that will open up, obviously, an open seat for town administrator. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting race in 2022. Yeah, we've had him up here probably four or five times. And, um, you know, talk about a positive scooping, but putting aside a good amount of the revenue money from uh, Twin River to make sure that the uh, town is balanced, keeping the, the balance sheet in really good shape. So he's going to be uh, tough to replace. Yeah, absolutely. He has done a really good job in making sure that we prepare for some of the financial troubles that can come about. And uh, by being fiscally responsible over his 12 to 14 years of being town administrator, I mean, he, he has prepared us for all kinds of disasters. So, uh, again, the, you know, props to Joe Alman, um, and he will be sorely missed. Changing gears, there was an article by Catherine Gregg in the Providence Journal two days ago. Senate panel okays former Ramondo financial partner to URA board. Any thoughts on that? Uh, so this is interesting. I, I talked with my Senate colleagues about this. Um, we're still uh, in the process of trying to, you know, come to an idea of how we should move forward. It, it is the URI board. Um, so not the most significant board, but I, I don't know. It, it raises some concerns. So I, I do want to continue to talk to my Senate colleagues about this and make sure that, you know, if we do okay this uh, point D, uh, it is the right decision. But some, some alarms went off in my head when I, when I saw this on his, on his resume. Uh, a big area that you're pushing uh, is financial literacy. Can you talk about some of the things that you've done and want to do to uh, move Rhode Islanders along? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my bill is uh, financial literacy, which would require um, the school committees of each uh, town to put together some kind of financial literacy program. And a student must prove proficient in financial literacy in order to graduate. And I think that's incredibly important. Um, I, I put something up on Facebook a couple of weeks ago that said I think the governor... Uh, could learn a little bit from my financial literacy bill. And I, I think all of Rhode Islanders could too. I think it's really important to be able to manage your money appropriately. That way you're making good financial decisions uh, in the present and also planning for your future. Uh, so I'm working with Senator Kano, again, um, you know, reaching across the aisle to come together and put together a great piece of legislation. It passed the Senate last year. I'm confident it will pass the Senate again this year. And um, I will be working with my colleagues on the House side to make sure it passes their chamber as well. Some of the standard stuff uh, that I use when I have uh, the uh, reps and senators in are some of the, some of the bills that have been around uh, for the past couple of years. And all of a sudden, it's election year, and I don't hear anything about them. Like, for instance, marijuana. Well, is there anything going to happen on marijuana in any direction, whether it's dispensaries or, or um, legalization? Or is this not the year that, uh, that uh, senators and reps want to touch it? So you're absolutely right. When it is an election year, some of those more controversial pieces of legislation tend to go by the wayside and put on the back burner for a different time. I do not believe you will see any changes with marijuana this year, especially with the disagreement between the governor and the legislature on how to move forward with this. Um, I, I think that we need to make sure that we get this right and we look at not only the neighboring states, but states across the country who have implemented these policies and put together the absolute best framework in order to regulate this appropriately. Um, so, you, yeah, you definitely won't see anything with marijuana this year, but that doesn't mean next year um, we won't be talking about this again. So when I had uh, State Rep. Uh, Phillips here last week, I said, well, if marijuana is not going to be the, the big issue, what is the big issue? 
he said the budget. He yes. said uh, trying to uh, take that budget and um, and bring it uh, in line with uh, fiscal responsibility is everybody's challenge, Senate and House. Yes, that's absolutely the case. Uh, as we go through department, um, each department of the uh, state, we are trying to figure out how to best allocate our resources. Huh. One more thing, uh, Senator uh, Pickard does a uh, a morning report uh, that we run every day on the station of bills passed in the Senate and so forth. And they're passing a lot of bills in the Senate. I and mean, here it is, it's not even March, and bills are passing left and right. One of the ones that did uh, did pass, and I wanted to find out whether, in fact, uh, uh, it's automatically going to uh, pass the House. I know you're not a rep, but was uh, this a plastic bags bill? Uh, we're dealing with it in Massachusetts uh, over here. Uh, in Blackstone, one of the supermarkets, they can't give out plastic bags. They can bring out paper bags, and bags are falling apart in the parking lot. But that's uh, for another for another show. Um, how uh, it, you guys have passed it in the Senate, but uh, is is this going to be the law of the land in Rhode Island this year? It could be. Um, we actually did just pass it yesterday, believe it or not. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, it was in our report today. On the Senate side, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe the bills are a little bit different. I don't. Uh, they're going to have to come to some kind of consensus on what the final framework of the plastic bag ban is going to look like. But um, I believe the intent is good. I, th- uh, I I do worry about the environment. I do worry about the amount of plastic that is in our environment. And so I, I think this is a good in, in a, uh, direction to move forward in. So you uh, you voted to support it? I did. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. And right. I would do it again. Was there any opposition uh, to it? Uh, were, were the retail retail supermarket people um, saying, "Hey, this is a this is a hardship for our customers"? Or not much resistance? There was there was some resistance, um, but at the end of the day, uh, most people agreed that this is the right direction to move in. That we need to move away from the synthetic, um, chemically compounded, you know, made up bags and move towards a more sustainable, um, you know, way to, way to grab our groceries each day. Grab a call here. We have our earphones on. We're ready to go. Hello, your comment, please, for Senator Paolino. Good morning, uh, panel. Good morning. Uh, I could speak on both issues, uh, marijuana and the fiscal responsibility at the state house. Mm-hmm. As you know, I called last week and I didn't have much time, but uh, I'm calling back this week because the topic became the same thing. Um, I'm not even going near the marijuana. That's a whole day in itself. But fiscal responsibility, uh, can the senator tell me, just in the legal department um, in the state house, how we can justify having somewhere in the area of 108 attorneys with a budget just to pay the attorneys of about $5.5 million? Um, is it possible that... Now, the, 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 they're only in session for, what is it, six months? Correct. Three, four hours a day, and we're paying $5.3 million of, to pay lawyers? What do you think how about that, that, Senator Paolino? How does that make any sense whatsoever? Well, I think that's a great observation, uh, and thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, I think this goes kind of hand-in-hand with one of the previous callers who said that maybe we need to take a look throughout the State House and see what we're spending our money on. And uh, that is definitely something that I will discuss with my colleagues when we return to session on Tuesday. And I would love to get their input um, to, to kind of analyze this issue. Th- thank you for bringing that to my attention. It, it, it's a hundred. It's over 100 attorneys. I, I just can't imagine that. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. Uh, if you really went into it and looked at everything, um, uh, the, then the pay rates on some of these people, they, this, they go from the lowest of 48000 there must be part-time only work a day a week or something, mm-hmm. up to uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, and it just goes on and on and on. And this JCLS, um, serious questions when you look at that. Um, number one, the, the, the payroll in, in for like four people in that department is, is it's insane. What department um, is he talking about again, uh, J, JC? What does that mean? It's the Joint Committee on Legislative uh, Services. Okay, thank you. I mean, you got a director making a couple hundred thousand. You got mm-hmm. an assistant director making a couple of hundred thousand. You got a liaison making a hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, if you go onto the state payroll, the transparency payroll. Uh, online, the numbers are astronomical. Well, I think we know that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. 
But how can these these people? There's no way these people. Can, half of them, I don't know how they can fit that many in the state house. Mm-hmm. Not enough chairs. <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we ask Senator Paolino to make his final remarks on your remarks? Yeah, could you ask him how uh, if he was aware of that uh, half a million dollar fee for a marijuana medical dispensary? If he was aware that that was stuck in the back door of the budget last year? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, yes, we were very aware of that, and it was something that we talked about uh, before we voted. And uh, that, it's one of the reasons why I voted no on the budget last year. Uh, you know, the scoops were another reason that we discussed. Um, and uh, some, of the, some of the framework to medical marijuana as well was another reason. So, uh, yes, we were aware of it. That's one of the reasons why we voted no. Just touching back on what you said before that. Uh, the state of Rhode Island. So there, there was a um, report that was done, and it showed each state and who the largest employer in each state was. And in most states, uh, that company was Walmart. Walmart was the largest employer in many of the states throughout the whole country. In Rhode Island, the largest employer was the state of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have an issue with that. The governor's constantly talking about how we're cutting red tape and we're doing all these things for for small businesses and large businesses, um, but it, it's just concerning that we have so many people that, that work solely for the state of Rhode Island, which I see as a monopoly. So, um, yeah, so, so thank you for bringing that to my attention. Um, yes, that's yeah. one of the reasons why I voted no on the budget as well last year. Thank you, sir. Yeah, there's a lot more. I mean, the, the cameraman at, at the meetings makes $96,000. Mm-hmm. For real. Uh, that sense? No. It, but he's no. an assistant that makes probably 75000 no. That must be the guy that holds the camera while the other one points it. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for your call. Thanks for the Appreciate call. Appreciate it. Bye bye. All right, excessive spending at the state house. Well, that, I'm sure that's not a big surprise to you, right? Uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately, it isn't. But um, again, like I said, when we get back to the state house on Tuesday, this is definitely something I will discuss with my colleagues we'll uh, to see if maybe we should take a closer look at it. Thank you. Back in a moment. Looking your best is the top priority at Fusion Hair Studio with talented, experienced stylists. Then the pampering begins. Enjoy a glass of wine or a cup of coffee with a spectacular view of the Woonsocket Falls Dam like you've never seen it before. You need not pay a queen's ransom to look and be treated like one. Call Fusion Hair Studio for an appointment, 401-597-5996. And attention hairstylists, rental stations are available. Call 597-5996 and ask for Beth or Lori. Fusion Hair Studio, next to the Woonsocket Falls Dam, South Main Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket, still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And the sale goes on on Kettle Vodka, $32.99 for the 1.75 liter bottle. And Bacardi Rum, the 1.75-liter bottle, is only $23.99. And Champs Liquors for Keyway also has Vina Duval, imported wine from Spain, available in three kinds, red, white, and rosé, still two for $10. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway does high-rise and senior complex delivery service, too. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. All right, let's check in with uh, Jeff and uh, see what's going on on that three-day sale at Market Shop. Huh? Well, the cold weather meal makers. Now, this is important because normally when I give a sale price, we say it's valid until close of business on Thursday. These following items are part of a three-day sale only at Parking Shop, and that takes place today, Saturday, and Sunday. So throughout this weekend, there are some great extra savings for the next three days, including... Russia Wonder Bar Bologna, freshly sliced at their deli, $1.79 a pound. Best yet sliced bacon. These are 16 ounce packages, regular or thick, $2.99 a package. 69 cents polar, two liter soda or 
seltzer sodas are available. The store-made whoopie pies, whoopee, with $1.49 each. Look, at doesn't that look good, Senator? My That's goodness, fantastic. look at the cream. Homemade at Park and Shop. And uh, Mama Celeste Pizza for $1.69. Cents. And on the vine, cluster tomatoes, just $1.99 a pound. Those three items are this weekend only. But check out the grade A boneless chicken breast on sale throughout the week for $1.79 a pound. And the buy one, get one free deal of the week. Boneless center cut pork chops. Regular or thin cut. Buy one package, get one free. Thank you. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We continue our series of programs. Uh, these are programs in which we invite the senators and reps uh, from our district uh, into the radio station to talk about what's going on in the General Assembly. After all, what's going on there has to do with uh, your money. And here again is Chris Boulay. Yes, if you just tune in, I'm speaking with Mr. Thomas Paolino, Rhode Island State Senator, District 17, covering Lincoln, North Providence, and Northfield. Field. Welcome back. You are on the Committee of Health and Human Services. DCYF have had some issues. How do we get res they get resolved? I think it's a funding issue. Um, we've looked at this. They, I, I remember last year very vividly, the whole Finance Committee, we asked them, uh, do you have enough money in the budget to be able to run your department effectively? And the answer was yes. And we asked again. I asked myself. And, and they continued to say yes. And, and apparently that was not true. And the governor um, said that we didn't appropriate enough funding. Well, we asked. We checked. We did our due diligence to see if they had enough. And they continued to respond that they were all set. So, um, you know, I will definitely have some follow-up questions for them this year to say, you know, how, how did you... How did, how did you miss this, and how, how did you come up with such a shortfall um, with what you actually needed? Um, so, so I will be following up with them when they come before the Finance Committee, and uh, I eagerly await their response. Two important businesses in Rhode Island. I guess they're all important when you, you have the 50th worst uh, economy for, uh, for business, but Twin River and IGT. Uh, you were very involved with that, with the committees, and looks like we had a pretty good outcome, probably the best we could expect. Yeah, as a member of the Finance Committee and obviously um, you know, as a senator from Lincoln, uh, North Providence, North Smithfield, um, uh, Twin River and IGT, this, this, whole, um, this whole piece of legislation was very important to myself. Uh, as well as the rest of the committee, so I th I'm not telling, I'm not saying that they did what I wanted them to do, but they did do what I what I kind of recommended, which was to work together, come up with some some kind of partnership where everybody could benefit, um, because this is a the third largest re revenue source to Rhode Island, uh, and it's something that we we have to make sure that we secure. And uh, I'm a little leery about the 20 year deal. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to get some really good investment into Twin River. Uh, we keep the 1,100 jobs in the headquarters of IGT here in Rhode Island. So I believe that this is one of the best case scenarios that we could have came up with. Are we doing enough for our veterans regarding the home? Absolutely not. And I think that the governor's proposal is a pretty, pretty abysmal. Um, to, to request that we take 100% of a veteran's income. Uh, I, th I think is awful. It doesn't give them any chance to have some disposable income from the, for themselves to make their own decisions. And I think that that's very important. Um, you want to be able to have some money to yourself so you can make decisions on, on what you want to spend that money on, what activities you want to, um, you know, invest in, and inv you know, not just your time but your money. And so to ask them to give up all of that, I, I think is a terrible thing. Can we backtrack a little bit on that? Because I was not a, uh, was not tuned into that. So the governor made a proposal for veterans, the income that they get, and, and she wanted to take all of it? Yes. Uh, all right. Yeah, in her proposal, she requests that we take 100% of their income, you know, in order to subsidize the services that they, that are provided. Uh -huh. And while I think, you know, obviously it is important that they give some, some, some of their income uh, to subsidize those services to, to say, you know, you're going to give us everything and then we're going to provide, uh, you know, what we can on our end, I, I think is the wrong message. Again, the 80-20 split, I believe that we have now is the right move and I want to maintain that. Thanks for uh, filling in the blanks on that one. I was a little bit off base on that one. Yep. Okay. Well, skipping uh, from state to national, I'm sure you're paying attention to the Democratic uh, um, debates and y your thoughts on how the, everything is uh, shaking out. Uh, I think that's a very diverse field, very interesting to watch. Um, 
And uh, I, I think all of them have some significant flaws. Um, I think Pete is a little too young when it comes to running for president and, uh, you know, just the mayor. So so he's kind of small uh, on the on the large scale uh, to run for president. Um, you have Mike Bloomberg, who a lot many people argue that he's trying to buy the election. I believe he spent over over a billion dollars already. And it's only February. Um, so I, I find that a little uneasy to deal with. Um, Joe Biden, unfortunately, I think has had his time. He's kind of lost his fastball. And um, so I don't I don't think that he can do the job. And so and, and Bernie, I mean, he's, he's what the oldest one in the field. So each one of them, I think, has some flaws. And it looks like right now that Bernie Sanders could be the nominee. And I think for some conservative Democrats, that's that's really not going to go over well. So, uh, you know, I, I watch this with uh, incredible anticipation to see what the Democrats are going to come up with. Um, and uh, this is going to be a very exciting election cycle. Um, and the president, uh, I thought, made a faux pas the other day when he actually credited some of the downturn in the market to the fact that people thought the Democrats uh, could win. And I thought that was kind of a weird comment coming from the president, who's supremely confident. He, sh- he should have had no doubt that he's going to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a very interesting uh, thing you picked up there. As, as we uh, wrap up, you have a very interesting district. You cover three towns. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, redistricting is coming back up. Your thoughts on that and how it can be done in a fair way? So uh, the redistricting um, piece, is for anybody who doesn't know, uh, every 10 years where uh, the state redistricts each Senate and House district um, to change the lines a little bit on who will be uh, you know, in each district. Both Republicans and Democrats are involved in the process, which I think of, um, allows for a transparent process. I know other states use an independent um, you know, entity or agency that will put together the redistricting to avoid any gerrymandering. Um, so I, I, I think it's a good idea to use an independent agency. The problem is, is that everybody has a little bit of bias. So... Uh, I, th- I think Rhode Island actually might be on the right track as far as involving people from the Republican side and Democratic side uh, to come up with where these lines should be drawn. So, uh, you know, I look forward to see what the districts look like in 2022 and how much they're going to change from right now. Last uh, comment, thought. I know you've been successful in getting some money for Lincoln. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We brought some money in for the um, building of Lincoln High School. Um, I brought in some money for um, education in North Smithfield, as well as North Providence. And one other thing that we're taking a look at, I'm working with uh, Rep. Constantino on the House side to bring in some additional money for the town of Lincoln based on the uh, legalization of sports betting. With the increase of uh, traffic and activity over at Twin River, uh, I think it's important that the town realize uh, some income from that. And so um, myself, along with Rep. Constantino, as I mentioned, will be uh, submitting legislation that would ask for additional monies to our towns um, as well as Tiverton, too, because, again, they, they have the sports betting down there, and they, they will realize the same traffic and income. So uh, we will be looking to get some more money because of those things. Senator Paolino, thanks for being with us, and uh, see you again in the rotation. Yes, I'll see you April 3rd. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, guys. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.